friendship forged in music, a partnership in its fourth decade, a lifetime in pursuit of the perfect song, and a community built along the way. 14 studio albums and another one in the wings. The band is Skydiggers. This is Employee of the Myth. Episode 11, Whatever the Cost. And now, in conversation with Jane Gowan of the Music Buddy Podcast, Andy Mays and Josh Finlayson. Skydiggers. You two, you're masters of macro observations in a lot of your songs, and some of them are political, social. This song, Whatever the Cost, seems to be a personal macro observation, perhaps. Is that true? Is this a personal song? Mm, it's a kind of a stream of consciousness. Is it? Yeah, it's a whole bunch of disparate elements, I think, all kind of wedged into one... Uh, Verse after another, followed by a, a chorus that is uh, not really a chorus, but is based upon uh, something along the lines of those were the days, my friend. Very good. Is that the la-la-la part? Yeah. That's great. It's such a sing-along part, that mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a section where you're trying to find words and couldn't find any. You just heard that in your head, right? Yeah. And you haven't played this live yet, but I'm, I'm assuming, I'm projecting, I'm hoping that when you do, the whole place is going to sing along to that la-la-la yeah. part. Well, that's, yeah, that is the idea. How's your audience forcing along? Do they, do they rise to the occasion? Always, always. And we never force. We might gently prod, uh -huh. but, uh, but we never force anybody to do anything. Uh, but uh, there, are, uh, there are certainly uh, spots where people like to sing along, and we're always glad to have them aboard. Do you ever worry that people will interpret your lyrics incorrectly? I mean, I already have done a little bit of that because I'm looking at this song going, huh, is this about settling a score? Is it about someone they know? So do you worry about how your song lyrics will be interpreted? Uh, a little bit. Um, but, you know, once you once you release them, you uh, they're not yours anymore, so... You know, people can interpret them in whatever way they want, but you hope that uh, that you're not misinterpreted in such a way that you create controversy that you never intended to create. Right. Um, like in this song, you know, the first verse, the first and last verses, you know, about not taking responsibility when responsibility needs to be taken. And once again, kind of ripped from the headlines. We know a certain person who never apologizes and, uh, and just doubles down on lies and deceit. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's kind of what that's about. But then there are other things in the lyrics that are, you know, I, I remember in the, the classifieds in the back of Now magazine, there, there used to be, you know, there'd be all sorts of different sexual fantasy ads and mm -hmm. one of them was a big breasted and well hung so you know <laughs> that's that, where that comes that, from that, that got my attention as it was uh, it's, it's it's remained with you <laughs> yeah well, it was just a uh, yeah so was, i mean stuff was like, there someone that was both those things at the same time i guess so yes interesting 
Yeah, so I mean, there's so there's that stream of consciousness, you know, and being, I guess, at some point in time, being the bell of the ball, and how it it doesn't really, uh, nothing lasts forever. Uh, every hopefully everyone gets a turn at being at being in the limelight, but you're only the new thing once, right? Right. But you guys have reinvented yourselves many times. Would you Would you say? Do you think you've reinvented yourselves over time or do you think you've stayed pretty much consistent? I think we've had to reinvent ourselves over the course of time, but I don't think you do that at the expense of not being yourself. Yeah. I think they ultimately go hand in. And that's one of the great things about having a partnership is that you typically that becomes a bit of the compass too, you know, when you stray too far, uh, uh, you know, away from being what you have been and are, then that's that's sort of one of the things that helps helps that. I think Desmond's Hip City was a reinvention yeah. for us. I think this album, in a way, is a reinvention for us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not; it's still us, right? But I think I think there are just elements of those recordings where we, I think we probably went a little further out of our comfort zone than normal. But and, we were doing it very much with a kindred spirit and Joby, you know, like mm-hmm. Joby, you know, aesthetically, I think Joby really intuitively understood us and helped us and helped the, the process a lot. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, we, it was just the three of us for the most part, you know, with the exception of Daniel and uh, mm-hmm. Daniel was the only one that came into the studio. Right. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a, a terrific producer and musician and has, you know, very, he's just very intuitive. If we had made this record with the band, you know, and they're a great band, it would have been a very, I think it it would have been a very different record. Maybe better, maybe not. I don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, this is what we did. And I think this was, uh, I think maybe to Andy's point, uh, it's different because Joby really made us feel comfortable and, uh, and I think ultimately sort of allowed us to sort of go further down roads that maybe we wouldn't have done in other situations. So you feel like it was kind of a leap of faith that you took together? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and just uh, because we're working quickly, it was easy to do that. And he right. was uh, interpreting stuff. And he would, you know, he would question stuff and offer alternatives. And um, you know, I can play it this way. I can play it. What do you think? And sometimes those are hard decisions to make, yeah. you know. Uh, Especially on the spot. Committing to them. Yeah. 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 Uh, and sometimes we'd start and we'd go down a road and then it was like, ah, you know what, maybe this is the wrong way. And so, yeah. but it was easy. He's, he was so great at then going back and just cleaning the slate and, and trying something else. And that was, uh, good. That was a nice thing. It's sometimes that's hard to do, to do with a full band and, uh, in a, uh, in a studio. Just even just, just the communication because it's that it requires interpretation mm-hmm. from everyone. And then sometimes that becomes a bit, uh, you know, can get bogged down, but sometimes it's great too, you know. Do you find it easier though now that you're the age you are and you've made so many albums together? Is it easier to kind of let go of the reins a little bit and let go of maybe of some opinions you would have held very strongly in your earlier mm-hmm. days at, as artists? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. me. For sure. I mean, you know, I, I remember early days of recording, you know, particularly, you know, Ronnie and I would argue about about 
who knows? And and it doesn't even matter now. But I do remember we used to argue about stuff because right. we both held such strong opinions, which is also what you you know when it when something is is as important to you as these recordings were to us. You know, it's the passion. I care is, more than you do. <laughs> but the passion is the passion is great. Yeah, the passion is great, but. You know, the passion now is more in the uh, the kind of performance of of what you want to do, and and I learned it at some point. And you know, I'm a slow learner, Jane. It takes me a long time to figure some of this stuff out. But huh. I, I realize that you know that there are different ways of doing things, and my way isn't always the best way. So no. shut up, Maze, and just wait until you get to the end of an idea. Can you tell that? Can you tell that the uh, Santa Claus parade trumpet story? You know the uh, that's such a great story. Oh well, (laughs) this should uh, be on tape. Our high school, (laughs) our high school band uh, uh, would play in the uh, Santa Claus parade, and I played trumpet in the in the band, and uh, we had a a great, great music teacher, um, Bob Kruger, who was uh, just a he was a a great guy, gone way too way too soon, but. you know, we'd go down on a school bus. The staging area was at Christie and and uh, Bloor, and uh, you know, we'd get to the school bus uh, and we'd go down. And everyone's excited. We're wearing our marching band uniforms, and Mr. Kruger would stand up at the front of the bus and he'd say, "Whatever you do, make sure that you leave your instrument case on the bus because it will be meeting us at the end of the uh, at the end of the parade down by Eaton's." And so, uh, you know. Yay! Woo! We're here. I get off the bus. You know, I've got my case and the trumpet in my case, and so you know, I go up to I go up to Mr. Kruger and I say, "Sir, I uh, I forgot to leave my case on the uh, on the bus." And of course, he'd be he'd he'd play an instrument in the you know he'd either play a, a euphonium or uh, or if they needed to have somebody play drums he'd, he'd do whatever anyway he looks at me and he's in a band uniform too and he looks at me and he just says maze you dumb shit <laughs> and basically basically it was it was like you figure it out you know what did you and do? He was so right. It was, you know, it was like, don't come to me with your problems. I told you what you needed to do. So, what did you, you know, do? I stashed it on a float. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I found a float and just kind of stashed on, it in there. On any old float? I don't remember what float it was. It wasn't Santa's float, but, uh, you know, Santa's sitting in a golf cart with a butt, you know, his beard down. That's what I love about backstage at the Santa Claus Parade, but but he was right, and that's you know that that's a, a good. I think uh, it's I, a great story. It's a great story, but it's also you know like pay attention, Andy. Yeah, and sometimes I I don't pay attention to what's going on. I'm just kind of like I don't like that. And it's like well, tough. Play it out. But would some of that also come from your enthusiasm, your over enthusiasm? A little for bit, things? a little bit, yeah. and being the youngest of three boys, which right. Josh and I both are, the oh, youngest yeah. of three boys, huh. we're both uh, maybe a little bit used to getting our own way at times, so we can be a little bit stubborn. But you know, well, it's nice when you can let go of things. But I was, we were just talking about Desmond's Hip City, and compared to this album, but do you remember? Desmond's Hip City was 1997, I guess, Yeah. right? And do you remember the reviews and how people took it at the time? 
Like, how was it received? Um, I mean, we knew it was a very different record. But you know what I, honestly, what I remember is more friends and peers really reacting positively to it. Oh, great. And that was very cool. Yeah. You know, that was very, you know, because it was uh, because P. Cash had left the band and it was, you know, we had to reinvent ourselves. Yeah. It uh, And it was a different band, but the band was so good. You know, Gavin Brown drummed on it, Paul McLeod. You know, it re they really elevated us. I remember personally feeling like as a player, you know, just trying to keep up with that, with them. So I actually don't really remember reviews per mm -hmm. se. I just remember friends, you know, saying, oh, you know, and, you know, especially over the, over the course of time, you know, when you've, you know, what was that? That was like our fifth record. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you're often, you're making similar types of records, but it was, because it had to be, it had to be a different record. And, and I'm sure some people heard it and they said, well, this sucks and I'd want to hear the first record again because that's what, you know, that's what I like and right. which is fine, you know, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I just remember it was, it was friends, you know, peers talking about it and reacting positively. That's to great. It. And has that happened with this record too? Uh, Certainly days. Early days. Yeah, yeah, early yeah. days. It's just, uh, yeah. no one listens to music anymore. <laughs> what? Hang on a second. Do they and listen to podcasts? Our friends are all deaf and not interested anymore in beers. <laughs> Aww. I'm kidding. Well, I'm going to put all these on my playlist uh, and listen in the car. But would you play this song right now, whatever the cost, acoustically yeah. here? Mm -hmm. That'd be great. said whatever the cost You say that you never lost You said whatever the cost It doesn't matter cause you weren't cheating This song, whatever the cost, my impression of it was, perhaps incorrectly, that it's about relationships. It's about doing right by people. That's my interpretation. You may or may not be speaking directly to someone, and you've said it's a stream of consciousness song, 
but it made me think about relationships and doing right by by the people you love. You guys are touring musicians and you have been for a long time, but you've successfully managed to maintain family lives and relationships and maintain that balance and kept it going. Do you have secrets to how you've done that? Well, understanding wives, partners, I would say, they would get all the credit. Mm-hmm. Your wives? Kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know. Also, it's not like we toured a lot, like all bands do at the beginning of their time. We don't tour as much now, so it's not uh, – it's, it's very different. But you absolutely have to have someone that can – uh, tolerate and indulge you in that in this kind of uh, job, and not just musicians. You know, uh, athletes that travel a lot, or people that are in business. You know, you yeah. you, you have to have someone that um, is willing to put up with it. And I don't think it's for everyone. You know, I, I don't. I just, uh, but I think in our case, we've been pretty fortunate that way. Andy, what if you? What, do you have any secrets to your? Uh, Marital success? No, <laughs> no, no. It's it's a uh, it's it's uh, relationships. They have their ups and downs, you know. And you they do. you never travel together at the same in the same direction at the same time all the time. You know, sometimes you're further apart, sometimes you're close together. But mm-hmm. it's the commitment. If you're in it for the long term, you start to you start to understand that. But you do both have a love of family and home, and aside from being people who'd love to be out on the road, there is that. I find that with a lot of musicians too. A lot of people are homebodies, and mm-hmm. they love to be at home, even though they have to be on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. Would that describe either of you? Mm-hmm. Well, more and more and more, uh, I like to be. I like to be home. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like to be home. Would you? Th- would you say, Josh? I. I would say, yeah, although right now I'm kind of a bit nomadic and I'm kind of enjoying that too. Oh, you know, are you? So, but I'm I'm also with my wife, you know, most of the time. So yeah. that feels like home wherever we go. So that's not a, but, you know, we're, that was by choice too. So, right. But uh, I would say, I would say for sure, like coming and having a home and, and even when you're touring, you know, and you know, you know, you're a, a day or a week or whatever away from coming home, that sort of your, that destination is sort of mm-hmm. just something that you really uh, look forward to. And then you get there and of course you ruin it by arriving. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, no, it, yeah, I would say that most people that travel a lot do have a, a sense of that, that need to arrive at a place that is, home mm. and we also i think are, are very fortunate in that we both come i think from fairly stable families i think when you're growing up you take that for granted and mm. then as as you get older and you experience a little more of life you realize how fortunate you've been and i think we i think we both appreciate that well you've got that song from 1995's road radio that um called it's a pity mm-hmm you know, I don't know if it relates to this song, Whatever the Cost, or not. Maybe parts of it do, but it's a classic song of yours, and it, it speaks cuttingly and frankly about relationships. And 
the video for that song is also, you know, there's in it, there's a couple fighting and Andy, you're like the kind of guru character. I haven't seen that video in 25 years, Jane. I can't remember. I just watched it. It's like I, you're out of the matrix. You're like, uh, I can't even remember. Do you remember the video? Well, I think you're riding topless on a white <laughs> stallion horse. That's my memory of it. <laughs> okay. A anyhow, but any yeah. So the video is very dramatic. Oh, it's a couple wow. fighting, and I don't know who was in the video. You're in the video. Josh is in the video. Oh. Other okay. bandmates, but because um, it's not really about it's not really about couples fighting. It, well, it's it's kind of it's kind of more. Uh, it's more about the way that hum humans treat, treat each, each other. other. Yeah. More about, you know, let's get it together, folks, before we uh, drive off a cliff. And, you know, here we are 25 plus years later and we're still heading towards the cliff. If anything, things have gotten worse. You mean in general? Well, the things we say to each other, mm -hmm. certainly on social media. Yeah. Things have gotten worse, the, the way people talk to each other. Do you think there's a decline in civility? Yeah, absolutely. I find that people say things online that they would never say in person, face-to-face -face with somebody. It's like road rage, you know, when you flip someone off and then all of a sudden you're both stuck at the same stoplight. Yeah, yeah it's like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to say about this song, whatever the cost? I mean, you talk about it being a stream of consciousness or... Maybe it's just more about sort of the cult of celebrity that we find ourselves in as well, about people who are who are famous for being famous. Right. They're not famous for having actually done anything. Yeah. They're just famous. They usually have a television, a reality show or whatever it is. And it's and and it got it got to the point where one of those people was elected president of the United States. And so really I think ultimately that's that's kind of what it's about. Yeah, it seems that people are getting fame and reality mixed up. Yeah. Or celebrity and reality. Yeah. Well, this is our reality show, this podcast. So would you guys play um, that song we were just talking about? It's, it's a, a pity. pity. Absolutely. I sure would. That'd be great. Thank you. Sometimes with the wisdom of age, the proclamations of our youth can carry even more profound insight. From 1995's Road Radio, the song is It's a Pity. Live off the floor at the woodshed, Josh Finlayson and Andy Mays. It's a pity the things you say about me. It's a pity what you say about yourself. It's a pity that we can't talk this over It's a pity that we can't work this out Once we thought we were Once, when we were young Well, maybe we've wasted all the 
good years Or maybe the best are yet to come Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. The album is called Bide Your Time. The band is Sky Diggers. And this has been Employee of the Myth. Employee of the Myth is hosted by Jane Gowan and recorded at Blue Rodeo's Woodshed Studio in Toronto, Ontario. The podcast is engineered by Tim Vesley, edited by Jane Gowan, and mixed by Tim Vesley and Jane Gowan. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate, review, share, subscribe, and play it loud. My name is Joel Stewart. Thanks for listening. Don't look to me for the answer. I don't know nothing anymore. I'll do my best in the meantime and wonder what it's been for. Je t'aime toujours, mon amour. Je t'aime toujours, mon amour. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> Is that too much? <laughs> Is that too, <laughs> too insincere? <laughs> too, too enthusiastic. Uh.